Welcome to the Silver and Mature Womanpreneur Podcast, a podcast for and by women over 50, providing faith-building strategies for female entrepreneurs looking to achieve higher levels of productivity, capacity, and growth, where we strive to focus on God's agenda while building our businesses to serve our community with excellence. Welcome to the podcast. Of having Maggie Mills on the show. We actually met about five years ago in Charleston, South Carolina, Carolina while networking at an event, and we just instantly connected. It was we just kept talking and talking and and even to the point where if if I remember correctly, it was almost interrupting the speaker. <laughs> Because I kept asking you questions and we were just kind of talking back and forth, but it was just an instant connect uh, connection. And so I am so excited to have Maggie on the show and we get an opportunity to reconnect. And so by way of introduction, uh, Maggie is a ghostwriter, an author and a coach, and she has spent decades of her long career happily behind the scenes making other people look good in print and online. Now, Maggie, I didn't want that to sound like you were old because I said you spent decades. <laughs> but Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for coming on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And it's a delight to talk with you again. And, you know, you brought up that event where we met each other. And I'm thinking back to that going, you know, we're the kind of people that we wouldn't have been allowed to sit next to each other in school, would we? <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. Because we were just talking, talking. And, you know, the teacher would have said, well, actually, the teacher probably would have put us out of the room and sent us to the principal's office, right? <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in, in my education in the coat room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I goodness. I in there. It was warm. Well, Maggie, i got to tell you, you know, I've had several authors on the show, but I've never had a ghostwriter on the show, and this is pretty cool. So I can't wait to dive in about what do ghostwriters do? I mean, I know, I actually know one other person that is, that is a ghostwriter. I haven't had her on the show or anything, but what does a ghostwriter do? I mean, I know a little bit about it, but perhaps you can kind of enlighten us. Well, I'm very fortunate because being a ghostwriter is absolute fun. I enjoy this. I, I joke around about it a lot. I tell people I'm probably the most published author you have never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I like it that way. And basically, I collaborate with people who have something to write. And they, are, they would just like a little collaboration to help them get through the writing process. And I, do, I, I help people write their books. And anything with the written word. I'm, I'm writing speeches and scripts and website content and all of that. But the ghostwriting mostly refers to, to the books I help people get published. And it's an absolute fun job because I meet all types of people from all over the world. They all have a fascinating story to tell. And I get to be them for a few months. And uh, it, it, I learn so much. 
and and come to understand other people's experiences through this process. So I feel like it's a gift to me to be able to do this. Definitely a gift. I bet you're in high demand. Well, I have to say that during the pandemic, a lot of people decided it was time to write their book. So, yes, business has been good. Well, that I mean, that's awesome because, you know, as you know, a lot of uh, people who have been in other industries you know, have, you know, had to kind of pivot their businesses and things like that. So go ahead. Were you going to, you were going to say oh, something that to that? Or? Breath? Yes. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yes, I, I feel so fortunate because yeah. I was watching other people have such difficulties with their businesses, you know, having, facing difficulties on the business front as well as the personal front, dealing with shutdowns and the general atmosphere over the last year or so. Uh, and, and so my business really, really shifted because mm-hmm. when you and I met, I was mostly marketing and I've always used writing in the marketing. And as soon as the pandemic started and we had the shutdown, my business plummeted like mm. so many others. Uh, but I'm, I consider myself very fortunate that this was a portion of what I was already doing and it blossomed. And once it did, I felt like this is where I've really belonged my whole life. And yeah. I have not looked back. So I look at it as a blessing, and I'm so fortunate to have had this happen to me and that I can serve others in this way. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, because I went to an event with you, and I remember we were um, doing, because this was after we... uh, solopreneurs. We we went to an event together, helping people you know, figure out, do I really want to start a business? Uh, What do I need to know before considering a business? That was a fun event. I enjoyed that. And thank you for going along with me. I appreciated having you there in the sharing (laughs) section. Well, you know, I I still have those pictures on my phone that we we took together. So it's always a nice reminder. Yeah, it's always a nice reminder. It's Definitely, you know, thing people have had to pivot and, and things like that. And, you know, for you, I know marketing, you know, everybody needs marketing. So fortunately for you, you had the experience, you know, of marketing and, you know, bringing people's books and projects to life, you know, through ghostwriting. I mean, that's like a happy little marriage, isn't it? It is. It, it works out very well, well because... You know, anyone writing a book, the goal is to actually sell it one day. And mm-hmm. so with the marketing background, I can keep that in mind as we're working on our book together and encourage them to start promoting their book even before we finish writing it. You, you start promoting that book. And as we're writing the book together, um, we can add things to the content of that book that will help drive their business because a lot of books and and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit i know Mm -hmm. a lot of books are written by uh, business people to help promote them and uh, let's say if someone's interested in developing uh, 
speaking opportunities through this book. Well, chances are they've already spoken some places before the book gets published. And we'll be sure to talk about those in the book so that we're planting ideas with the readers. Oh, oh, this person is a speaker, and I really like this topic. And let me look in the back of the book about how to reach out to them because maybe they can speak to my, bro- my group or come to my program. And anywhere where they are an authority in their field, we make sure that we're mentioning certain things that will help drive business to them um, while we're working on their book to keep planting those little ideas because you know in marketing and you know as an author yourself that to get people to take action, you need to tell them at least five times what you'd like them to do. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is so true, so true. Sometimes I forget though, you know, I think, oh, you know, hopefully they, they've seen it, they, you know, but I, I do thank you for the reminder is basically what I'm saying. But um, so, I, but I think this is a great kind of a segue um, into, you know, what you do to help your clients. Uh, what are some of the ways in which a book develops alternate revenue streams? Well, this is the fun part. <laughs> it's all the fun part. What am I yes. saying? Yes. This is another fun part. Because so many people, they think, well, I'm writing a book, and I'm going to put it up on Amazon, and that's where my money's going to come from. And you, you will generate revenue that way from the actual sale of the book. But that is actually one and one of the minor ways that your book can generate money for your business. We mentioned a few minutes ago about speaking opportunities, um, keynote speakers, get paid. And when you have a book out there, you can take it with you to your event. It's easier to get booked for these speaking events when you're in correspondence with people who, you know, book. Uh, You can say, well, I've already written something. And and so they're going to say, oh, well, they must be an expert in their field. They have a book. And then you can also sell that book at your speaking event. Um, So in addition to that, a lot of people, depending on the type of book they're they're writing, if it's instructional, they can create a workbook to go along with that. And it can be created in um, an online downloadable form or print on demand so that people who are going through your, um, what you've, you've written, your larger book, can go along with that and do exercises at the end of each chapter. For instance, uh, one of my clients who's writing a fiction book, she's writing a workbook alongside of it as she goes through each chapter so that people who are in book clubs can buy her book and also the workbook. And at the end of the chapter, they can have these discussion points for their group. Like, you know, there was something in there about who was, um, who was your first love and questions about have you had the same best friend since childhood and all these talking points. So workbooks go along with that. Um, once you have a book out, you can create seminars based on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, you can lead a seminar, whether as an individual or be a guest with a number of presenters, for instance, in weekend retreats 
when there's one topic and they have several speakers come and address that topic. Uh, of course, there's podcasts like what you and I are doing. Uh, people can use their book as a basis for their coaching practice. Um, you can start a mastermind group. You can create an online class with pre-recorded videos. Um, there's the audio book. Uh, you can take portions of your book and create um, one or two page how-to guides. Um, again, downloadable PDFs. Uh, you can sell those. Um, you can also use those PDFs to um, uh, linked to a landing page for your website. You can use those uh, to get people to come and sign up for, you know, here's this free guide to flower arranging. And then when they sign up for it, you get their email, can add them to your list, and then market to them later. Um, you can also use it sort of as a value add. I have a free writer's checklist I, I give away to people the, that they can use, whether you're writing your own book or not. We can always use a few tips. So those are just a few ways that writing a book can um, add more revenue streams to what you're already doing. Oh, I love that. I love those. I was writing, writing it down uh, some of you know some of the things that you were saying, and because I think a lot of times people think that most of their sales and most of their income is going to come from writing the book, but it's I think it's quite the opposite, right? Because you know if 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 you're not like a major New York selling what is it New York. New York Times, Times seller, seller. Yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, people don't really know you, and so uh, unless you're in that category, you know, you're not going to get, you know, a whole lot of money on, uh, you know, on, on for, from book sales is what I'm saying, and so, um, so I love that that you were giving these, uh, you know, different ways that a person can uh, make money starting from, you know, the publishing of their books and, you know, things like that. So I love that. That is you're, definitely... You're absolutely right. It, it's sort of um, the opposite approach that most people would think because you brought up the New York Times bestseller list because there are a lot of authors out there and, and people who would like to be authors, and their dream is, I want a New York Times bestseller. And, and they think if the quality of their book is good enough, they can get there. And that does happen. Like also sometimes the local high school quarterback makes the NFL. And mm -hmm. it's about the same possibility that that happens. But those people who are making the New York Times bestseller list, they are already established in their field in many cases. They are already well known. They've established their social platforms. So when you start out with a book, even if you're a big fish in your little pond, all the things that you do to promote your book are establishing and growing your platform, which will in turn help you sell that book and more books. Um, and I know a lot of authors are introverts and they don't want to be involved with social media. Mm -hmm. But the way publishing is going now, you need to be out there. And the nice thing for introverts is um, some of them do very well on social media because they can plan their posts, 
you know, it doesn't always have to include pictures of you. And they, they're getting their message out there. And they're increasing an audience where they don't actually have to interact with people live. So, and then there's always um, people out there who will do all that for you. You can hire somebody to handle all of your social media and you never have to touch it. But it is necessary to getting your book sold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going to say the other way that they can become a New York Times uh, best bestseller is to hire Maggie as a ghostwriter. <laughs> I have one client right now who's absolutely convinced that's going to happen and I yes. can take from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. So what are what are what are some ways that um well let me ask let me ask this question. So as a ghostwriter what is the process like? What is, what is it like to ghostwrite a book? Well, this is, um, it's, it's a close relationship with people in many cases when I ghostwrite their book. Now, occasionally, and I, I'm hired two ways. Publishers hire me to work with their authors because they've got somebody come on with a really great idea and they're not very strong writers. And so they bring me in to help them. And then I work sometimes directly with authors because all of my work is um, word of mouth and referral. So in a few cases with authors that come through a publisher, I have met them only once Mm. and I write their entire book. And I insist on meeting everyone at least once because I need to know who they are and what they sound like. So we we start there. And in many cases, they have all the material ready. They've had recorded conversations. And then they just give me access to everything. And then I go write the book. Now, what what more normally happens and more frequently, which I'm happy about, we have that first meeting, and everything is done by Zoom these days. Isn't that wonderful? Because oh my you can gosh, see yes. people. And uh, again, we have this initial meeting to make sure we all want to work together and we like each other because this process, depending how far along they are, how much work they've already done toward their book, it can be six months to 18 months mm-hmm. where we are meeting every two weeks. So we have this meeting, um, and I'm literally listening and watching to the way they speak and the words they use, because the idea for me as a ghostwriter is to represent them and speak in their voice and not to write a book that makes them sound like an English professor, mm-hmm. because after all, whoever bought anything from an English professor? Well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> So we want to make them sound intelligent, and and they are, Um, but it it needs to be their personality, because that's what keeps the reader interested. Wouldn't you rather read the autobiography of a movie star you like, rather than a book about tort law? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is so true. That is so Uh, true. So we start with that meeting. And then the author will forward me anything they've already got together. If they've written notes, and sometimes people have a partial manuscript, um, 
one person I work with gave me this long list of contacts, telephone numbers of people he's known over the years that he wants me to go interview. So those kinds of things are sent to me ahead of time. Some people, when we're writing business books for them, they have um, blogs they've already written that we can resource, um, all kinds of things like that. They send those to me. Then we meet, um, start meeting every two weeks. The first thing we do is create an outline of how we want this book to go. And we agree upon that. You know, these are the chapters, and this is our introduction, and we're going to move from there. And then each week, I basically interview the author. And even though I write the book, I call them the author because it's all their idea. It's their baby. You know, it's their creation. So we'll do about a chapter a week. We talk about what's going to go in that chapter. And I record that Zoom, and then I get a transcription of that interview. And I go through that as I start to write the chapter for them because I want to use as many of their, of their own words as possible when I create their chapter. And as I'm writing, that's when I go back and do research um, to back up what we have in the book. Because my initial training many, many, many years ago was in journalism. And we're all about being factual and being able to support that point with at least three credible sources. And that's one of those funny little things that people don't think about. They think we just sit down and start typing. But research is, is a very big deal. And it's, it's not only things like, you know, we add statistics to their books. Um, I'm working with somebody right now who's talking about in vitro fertilization. So I go, you know, and I'm researching the average age of people and the success rate and things like that. And, you know, in conversation, we'll, we'll say, who was it who talked about the, you need 10,000 hours? Was that Malcolm Gladwell? And I really liked what he said about something. So I go back and I research quotes to add to the book. And uh, so when I finish that chapter, I submit it to the author. We have another meeting. They get to look at that. And then I move on with the next chapter. So Mm. It's um, it's very well organized the process we go through. Yeah, it 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 actually kind of um, inspired another question, and oh. actually two questions. So, what is your favorite genre, and how long does what's the longest project you've ever had, ghostwriting project you've ever had? Oh, let me see. Um, so far, longest project is about 14 months. Um, and my genre, favorite genre, I'm loving all of them. Mm. I've helped people with a couple of marketing books, and those came the quickest to me because I really know that <laughs> right. industry. Um, but I think there's one that really, really just touched me and it was a business book and it was uh and i never give anybody's names because i'm a good right writer, of course you know? of course and you know so it, it's a very discreet service mm -hmm. i offer mm -hmm. here but i do mm -hmm. talk about them i just don't uh, give their names so i was Absolutely. working with a, a very successful businesswoman and she was talking about creating role models for women of color 
in business and breaking through the glass ceiling. And as part of this, she was talking about how her family came to this country and they came here because of and during the fall of Saigon. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how in order to escape, escape the country, they wound up on a barge. You know, her family got separated. Her father and grandparents didn't make it onto the boat. Her mother and the other children were there. And she was a few months old, maybe 18 months, small enough to be carried in the arms. And they were on a barge. They needed to get onto a larger ship to get out of the bay and to safety. And the only way to get her on that ship was to throw her and her brother. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry again. Her brother threw her up to people hanging off the side of the ship who were going to catch her and, and get her on board the ship. Oh, my gosh. See how much this is. Wow. You learn about other people's. I didn't mean to cry. You learn about other people's experiences, and it just opens your heart up to everything. People go through so much. Yeah. And this is why I say everyone has a story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And if it helps just one other person, then it's worth the whole process of writing your book. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Going through that process helps you even even more because you you have to, you know, visualize it and picture it and, you know, all those things. So you probably go through a lot of emotions too. You know, when you're I do. Yeah. Um, mostly I can stay emotionally separated from things, but this woman, and, and she was just so charming and, and lovely to work with, but one of the reasons I find this work is a gift is because it really exercises your compassion muscle and yeah. your, your, your empathy muscle. I, I work with a number of marketing agencies and things like that. And I'm, I'm seeing the trend now is that he, these are our missions and value statements. And we are going to work with people who have the same mission and values we do, because this is very important. And I understand where they're coming from. And basically they're saying, we only want to work with people like us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they feel like we're saving the environment and you know, we're doing this, their reasons are very noble. Well, I have had people approach me who were very, very different than me. And I haven't necessarily believed in their mission and values. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take the work on anyway. And this is what has happened. These people who are very different from me, whether religiously or politically or perhaps Mm -hmm. their business views, I have come to care for each of them very much Mm. because in the process of working with them, I'm not seeing their differences. I'm seeing our similarities and I'm seeing where their heart is in the right place and their intentions are good. Mm. And, and these are good people who I might otherwise rejective out of hand because we're not the same. And if I followed, you know, these 
this trend now. We only want to work with people who have our mission and values. And I'm just, I'm just coming to love these people. I fall in love with all my clients. I, mm-hmm. I do. I just really begin to believe in them, and I want to help them. And I have just been so touched by this turnaround. One of these clients, uh, the publisher even came to me and admitted, you know, none of our other writers want to work with this person. And I said, well, let's find out what this is all about. Let me see. <laughs> I like a challenge. <laughs> like I said, you know, at the beginning of the show, I've never interviewed any anyone that was a ghostwriter. And so uh, it sounds like, you know, it's it can be very intense and as well as fulfilling because it touches a lot of areas, you know, in, in terms of emotionally and things like that. But I tell you, I have so much compassion and so much respect, actually, for writers. I've never really considered myself a writer, uh, but I well, knew that. Well, it's about time. You need well, <laughs> to. You are a writer. Well, you know, I mean, I've written a couple of books, however... That's oh, to just a couple of books. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I honestly do not. I honestly do not consider myself a writer because as I as I am interviewing and and plus I don't know if I mentioned that to you or not, but my husband is a writer. He writes scripts, and when I watch him in his process and as I interview other authors and you know talk to other people. It's like, um, no, that's not me. Now, what I love is what I'm doing right now. I love interviewing. I love audio. I love this part of the process. And so I guess in that respect, you know, that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my lane. And so I love what I'm doing, you know, in, in this genre. And that's a little bit of writing. I mean, it requires that I know what I'm talking about and I know how to interview and I, you know, I get better and better and I work at it. But this is really, really my um, genre that I really love to uh, interview and I love podcasting. And so, yeah, anyway, this is not about me, but. (laughs) Well, it, it takes a special skill to be an interviewer. And it, it takes someone who really listens, first of all, to mm-hmm. what their interviewee is saying, because you have to pivot constantly during the conversation. Yeah. And you, you really need to, to care. That's yeah. what makes a good interviewer, that you're not just pushing through your list of questions. You go, oh, wait a minute, you brought that up, and that reminds me of this other thing. And I just applaud what you're doing with the focus of this podcast. Of course, I've told several of my friends, guess what? <laughs> I'm going to be on Al Dreamer's podcast. And she's focused on these, these silver and women entrepreneurs and, yes. and mature people. And yes, absolutely. Yes. We yeah. are just not going to be ignored. That's and right. We are, we're going to use that as our superpower because you just go ahead and underestimate me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I wanted to. I've got some more questions that I want to ask, and uh, (laughs) because I know you know the community that that's going to be listening to these podcasts. Some of them, 
you know, we, we're right now, we're going through this great resignation. And so there's a lot of women, you know, well, people, not just women, but people who are going through trying to make certain choices and pivoting in terms of their careers and doing things that's more fulfilling and things like that. And so that's what kind of inspired this whole, you know, podcast movement that I that I wanted to kind of journey on. And so, uh, and so it's really designed to help inspire those that's trying to make a decision, that's trying to pivot, that's trying to do something that's more fulfilling in our age group, uh, and that, uh, that where they can become more appreciative of the experience and the wisdom and what they've already contributed you know, to the marketplace and use those skills. And so that's what this is all about, you know, helping them, you know, to, to um, be inspired by the ideas and things that they hear on this podcast. And so that was the reason that I really wanted to uh, embark upon this journey, you know, and I have, um, you know, me, myself, I'm 62 years old, so I'm definitely a silver and mature womanpreneur. So, <laughs> so I'm speaking to myself because these podcasts and these interviews, they inspire me. And so I know that they're going to inspire, you know, some others as well. But anyway, I digress because I want them no, to it's know. it's wonderful because I am, I can't help myself. I am a cheerleader and, yeah. and that's part of why I do this. And I've worked with a lot of female authors and female business people over the years and absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, while you were talking about that, it made me think of something um, because so many of us overlook the skills we have mm -hmm. uh, because we're used to them. And, 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 but it made me think of, have you ever heard that term shopping your own closet, which means you're going to go in your closet and dig in the back and go, Ooh, I forgot mm. I had that red dress. Let mm. me get this out. Look, I can fit in that again. And it's like having brand new clothes. You know, women can do this with their careers as well. When you sit down and you go through your resume or you update your LinkedIn, and especially don't do this by yourself. Yeah. Get a friend and do it. Somebody else in the business, work with someone else, you know, or hire a resume writer or something. When you start talking about what you've done during your career, and we talked about mine being many decades, and you didn't make me feel old. Um, <laughs> Good. It's true because, you know, we should be thinking about that. I mean, how long do we feel like we're neophytes in our business Absolutely. up until the day we go, oh, I can't get hired because I'm too experienced? Mm -hmm. it, it, it happens that quickly. It's like, do I have enough experience? for this job or for this contract. And that it seems like the next week you realize they don't want to pay me what I'm worth because I've That's been doing right. it for 20 years. That's right. So take all those, and, and for many of your listeners, it's going to be decades. And also for many people, you might have had three or four careers in those decades. That's and right. every bit of it can be used to start something new or to focus on that thing you really love the most. Yeah. And then it changes your whole life when you love what you do. In, in some of the research I did in the last few months, I came across this 
startling statistic. It was something like 80% of people just can't stand their jobs. Mm-hmm. 80%. That's um, now, let, let's leave a margin for error, like 10%. Suppose it's only mm-hmm. 70%. That's a lot of people who don't mm-hmm. like getting up, going to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I know my career has just changed so many times, and you have to keep plugging. You know, I was doing things you know, or using equipment or performing functions that became obsolete, and you just have to learn a new skill and keep going because yeah. you still have bills and you have kids and you have things you need to take care of. So your listeners have so many skills that they can turn into something new and more enjoyable if they just go shop their closet. Oh, I so love that. That is Oh my gosh, that that is so powerful because, you know, it 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 just really kind of summarizes exactly, you know, what this whole podcast and these the series is about, you know, is about shopping your own closet. And so absolutely. Well, I applaud you because we need this. We need this. I I mean, we are literally getting overlooked. I was at a birthday event that was at a club and there was a bar and I walked up to try to order my one big cocktail of the night. I'm such a big drinker. I decided, oh, I'll get one cocktail. Mm -hmm. And I stood there while all these other people get waited on first. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not really very tall, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I sort of credit it to, oh, they can't see me over here. And I'm, and I'm watching, you know, the, the young guys, and you would expect them to wait on the pretty girls first. I mean, that happens. You know, after a while, it's like, let me get out my credit card and wave it at you because they mm. might be pretty, but I have a higher credit limit. Give me my drink. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can spend more. You should be focusing on me. And I laughed. Actually, the host of the party had to come over and order my drink for me. Wow. And um, I just looked at that as a metaphor because we, we hear so many women talk about I'm ignored now. People literally don't see me. And we can use that to our advantage. Absolutely. We definitely can. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be the rest of our life. It's it, it just we, we've got too much to offer. And plus, we're all now working with each other. Yeah. So many more women-focused business groups, mm-hmm. and we're creating our own network. That's you know, right. who are we going to go to first? That woman I met doing business. That's because right. I've gotten to know her now. And I want to work with her because I, I like her ethic. And I've met other clients who've worked with her. So we're developing our own networks. You're, absol- you're absolutely right. So <laughs> Keep going. I know, right? I know, you know right? You have to cut me off. I just love this topic. Well, I didn't you know, want I to because it was days. so good. It was so good. So. <laughs> Well, I just want to applaud you for for focusing on this group. We really appreciate it. We got years to go yet. Let me tell you, lifespan is longer and longer, and we do not want to die of boredom. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. So then, what are some? What are six things that six things to know 
before writing a book, whether you are writing it yourself or if you're collaborating, what are some things that, that you must know? Well, the first one uh, probably sounds a little silly to people, and that would be choose your topic. Mm-hmm. And because a, a lot of people say, I just know I have a book in me. I'd love to write a, to, to write a book. And for instance, if, uh, if you're the CEO of a company, and you're getting ready for retirement, you might decide, you know what, I've been in business for 40 years. I have got a lot I can share with people. I've got some interesting stories. Well, recording everything that you've done over a 40-year career could take another four decades to write. (laughs) Yeah, And and it's a very broad topic. But what you can do is focus on one area that differentiates you from other people in your business. For instance, you know, were you the first woman in aeronautical instrument sales? Or did you hide the fact that you had dyslexia and you overcame that to, to be very successful? You know, did you specialize in turning prisoners into entrepreneurs? You know, there is one very particular aspect of your experience. And not only does that make your book more readable, it makes it more sellable. Because the more we can niche down, you know, people talk about, oh, everybody will want to read my book. Nope. (laughs) Niche it down. Is it, you know, women 40 to 60? Is it uh, people who've worked in the music industry? Is it young parents? That's what increases your book sale. So choosing your topic is the first one. Uh, The second thing we touched on a little bit earlier about create an outline. A lot of people think I have to sit down and write this book from page one to page 5,623. Nope. Go back to high school, create an outline. Because I look at that as like, I look at the book like um, a, um, a Mardi Gras float that, Underneath that, that fancy float, there's a frame, and your outline is the frame. And then you build on it. You add the paper mache, and you put wheels on it, and you put flowers, and you paint it, and sprinkles, and everything. But you have to start with that frame, and that's what your outline is. And then do your research. You're because it will actually speed up your writing process. Because as you're writing your book, let's say, you know, you want to write that marketing book. Um, Well, you need to put some statistics in there because that adds to your credibility and it helps people understand what you're talking about. So do that research ahead of time. Um, If you're in the medical field and you're talking about a particular disease, you might want to research, you know, the the first uh, physician to diagnose that, and you want to research recovery rates. So you do that. Um, You can not only do your online research, you can visit specialty museums like Museums for period clothing or manufacturing museums. There's a spy museum up in Washington. All those things are part of your research. Mm-hmm. Then, then you can start writing. And, you know, we could spend days talking about the writing process. But 
um, a lot of people try to edit as they write and make every paragraph and every chapter perfect before they That's move me. on. That's me. Uh-uh. <laughs> New. New. Can you, can you just, I'm shaking my finger at you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just start writing it down and you will have plenty of time to go back and edit. And one of the things I tell people to do, and I do this myself, I keep a little book with me all the time. And I keep it in the little pocket of the door of my car. Now, I do not write while I'm driving. I can barely drive while I'm driving. I don't text while I'm driving. I do admit I have made notes at a particularly long traffic light. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, when you get this great idea. People get ideas in the shower or while they're That's driving funny. or sitting at the movies. So however you like to keep notes, you know, on your phone or record them, as soon as you have an idea for your book, write it down, and then when you get back to your computer, you know, you have cr- create a file, like here are all my notes, and you know, maybe this is like a character I want to write about, or there's this particular thing that happened in 1963 that I want to add to my book. So that's part of your writing process. Mm-hmm. And then there's the editing process. That's mm-hmm. the next step. And people will be surprised that a lot of times there's more writing that gets done during the editing process than the initial writing process. (laughs) Books get twice as long. (laughs) Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then finally, part of the book writing process is the marketing and publishing that you need to be thinking about that. You know, you can never start thinking about it too soon. Yeah. you know, from, from day one. And there's so many ways to publish now. And I just love the fact that publishing is opened up to everybody. Yeah. No longer do you have to find an agent and spend hundreds of dollars in postage to mail off entire books just to be rejected. So marketing and publishing, we talked a little bit earlier about you need to have social media presence. People need to know who, they, who you are. And um, you can put up posts like, okay, I'm doing it. I've decided I'm going to write this book. This is day one. And um, all the way through, hey, I'm working with an illustrator now for my cover. What do you all think? Like, here are my three options. And you get people involved. So when it's time to sell your book, they're already used to the idea that El Dreamer's got another book coming out. I can't wait to see this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your pre-sales, can you tell that marketing background of mine is coming in? Yes, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I have so many questions. I want to bring you back on for another oh, interview. I do, I do. <laughs> because we have not gotten, I mean, the questions and, and the, the value and what you're bringing I mean, it's just so awesome and so amazing that I want to have you back on the show. Uh, I actually have another uh, interview in about 15 minutes, but well, hang up on but me. I know yeah, that talk again. <laughs> I know because I because I want to bring you back on the show. But before we uh, end this um, podcast, I want to know. How can people, what's the best way you want people to reach you? We're going to have show notes and things like that and the information that, you know, that you've already provided. But what's the best way you want people to reach you, 
to find out, you know, things you've got going on and that's coming up and things like that? What's the best way? Oh, you think I promote myself? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening two hours from now. <laughs> but you ask me about what my client's doing six months from now? I have a detailed list. <laughs> I have some rough idea that I better get to the grocery store if I want to eat this weekend. <laughs> Well, I know. Now, because didn't you say you had uh, a freebie or something? So what I do. You okay. know what? I'm going to give you my email address. All and right. I'm happy to share this, this writing guide uh, with people. And my email, is, I'll say it first and I'll spell it, is maggie at maggiemills.com. Mm-hmm. M-A-G-G-I-E at M-A-G-G-I-E-M-I-L-L-S.com. And... Reach out if you have any questions. I just love chatting with people, can you tell? Mm-hmm. And I'll send this little writer's guide to you. And I encourage everybody, if you think you have a book in you, then you do. If the thought has ever crossed your mind, give it a try because everybody has a story to tell. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Well, Maggie, on that note, we are going to... Um, I don't want to say end the the podcast, but because <laughs> you're going to have to come back, like I said. So we're going to come back and finish, you know, it's, well, actually, it's never finished. I don't know what I'm saying here. So because, <laughs> <laughs> because I, the thing that I wanted this to do is just to be conversational. And I love having conversations with you because that's how we met. We just it's like going back to the uh, initial time that we met. We were like kids in a in a classroom, and so that's yeah, why. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, and uh, I'd like I you to know I'm still in touch with that speaker, and apparently we did not interrupt her talk too much. Okay, she's still talking to me. <laughs> she didn't scold me afterwards. Like you two, get get, get in the back, get out. <laughs> Well, that's good. That is good. Well, listen, Maggie, we're going to have you back on the show. Uh, I'll be in contact with you in terms of when we, you know, when we schedule uh, the next I interview. Cause I want... Yeah, I for real. Imagine yeah. We're talk about next time. We're going to have a ball. I know. I know. I know. And so, but thank you so much for all that you've shared. And again, I can't wait to have you back on the show. I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, thank I, I just so really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for what you're doing. I just, I can't wait to tell everybody. Mm. Listen, we women have a voice now, thanks to Eldrima. There you go. <laughs> All right, bye-bye, dear. You've got to get to your next call. You just hang up on me now. I'm hanging up. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Aldrema Harper, and thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value for where you are in your entrepreneurial endeavor. And if you'd like to know more about how I can further serve you, simply go to CoachDrema.com. Again, that's CoachDrema.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have an amazing day.